everybody. How's it going? This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host, Evan Vitalison, and I want to thank you for spending some time uh, watching or listening to the to uh, this week's Talking Sports with Evan. There's a uh, you know March Madness is underway between the NCAA um, tournaments brackets and stuff have been put out last on uh, on Sunday in Division One men's and women's basketball. That action is starting right now. Um, not just the NCAA is having March Madness, though, as the NFL free agency March Madness is kicking in as teams are scrambling to get under the NFL salary cap of $208 million, uh, by by tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central Time, the start of the new league year. On top of that, uh, uh, free agent deals are being negotiated as we're in the legal tampering period in the NFL before contracts and trades can become official. And uh, Deshaun Watson, who uh, the grand jury did not decided not to indict, uh, citing that they did not have enough evidence to indict, um, his civil suits are not yet settled, but teams are uh, frantically trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. So lots of NFL action and news to talk about as well. And baseball. Uh, free agency in baseball is underway, and the Brewers have made a signing um, as well. I'm going to give my thoughts on that signing in a little bit. But before I do go any further, um, you know, the I don't know how my followers and my listeners feel about professional wrestling, but I was a big professional wrestling fan in the 90s. Um, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. And... One of the things that I enjoyed was the uh, Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWF at the time, now WWE. And the likes of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hollywood Hogan and DX and Austin and uh, The Rock, Undertaker, to name a few, were big... uh, Big to do every Monday night. A lot of people, including myself, had to be in front of our screen to see what was going to happen next, who was going to jump ship next. We even saw, because WWF at the time, um, every other uh, Raw was taped. Um, So the episode of Raw that was taped, Rick Rude appeared on both Raw and Nitro on the exact same night. Uh, Shows up with DX and then shows up on Nitro as well. Uh, as he jumped ship to WCW. But uh, Scott Hall was one guy that, very entertaining. Razor Ramon, back before he jumped to WCW, very entertaining, fun to watch. Had his demons, fought through them. And he, uh, you know, he uh, unfortunately passed away officially last night after being placed on life support over the weekend. And, you know, condolences to Scott Hall and his family and his friends and former uh uh, wrestling buddies at, who he competed with. And, you know, he's a guy that, had, like I mentioned, he had his demons. He had his demons of alcohol and other drugs, as a lot of professional wrestlers do, as they just completely destroy their bodies to put on an entertainment for us to watch. Um, you know, just, you know, he was one that was an inspiration to fight through those demons and get to a place to where he was. And then, unfortunately, suffered uh, multiple heart attacks after a hip surgery. And, uh, you know, he unfortunately passed. And I, like I mentioned, I just want to give my condolences to, you know, those that enjoyed 
uh, and those that knew um, Scott Hall. So jumping on, jumping, moving on, big news of the day. I talked about it last week when I did my show. I was either, I think it was th- uh, Thursday night last week. Aaron Rodgers uh, last Tuesday, a week ago today, said that he would be returning to Green Bay. He made his decision. He was going to be returning to the Packers, and he'll be playing 2022 in Green Bay. He allegedly agreed upon a new contract. Um, all the numbers that came out a week ago were not correct. They were wrong. Um, and today, and and this this is kind of what I've been stressing. If you follow me on Twitter, at Evan Witt Sports, you see my username in the bottom corner of, of the screen over here. Um, talking sports with Evan. At Evan Witt Sports, I mean. Um, that... The deal was going to be announced when it was time to announce it. The Packers had a plan in place since before the season ended on how they were going to approach the offseason. Yes, they had 40 something million dollars over the cap they had to work on to get under. A lot of moves they had to do, put the franchise tag on Devontae, other stuff they had to get done. And the 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 core of all of that was Aaron Rodgers. Um, because he had a forty-six million dollar, I believe, a forty-two million dollar um cap hit initially in uh 2022 no way the packers could work with that when he came when he decided to play in 2021 i said he was either going to uh be gone in green bay or be under a new contract because there's no way he was going to be a packer under that contract but they put a new contract in place and he agreed to it today and i'm sure it was agreed upon a while ago but from what i had read um, Packers uh, doctors and trainers were out in California to do the physical piece of it over the weekend, and that had to get finalized before the deal could officially become official. Um, but the first read is 150.815 over the next three years, and the two for, first two years of the contract are fully guaranteed. So his contract is going to pay him $42 million in 2022, in 2023, and 49.3 in 2024. And at first glance, and this I saw a lot of people freaking out about on Twitter and Facebook, is how has this helped the Packers' salary cap situation? Well, here's the thing. Um, He's going to earn $74.5 million in the first two years and, and 62 average through second year. But his his salary cap hit, and that his number, that's the big thing. His salary cap number was decreased by 18 million, and he is now um, counting against the cap at go to over the cap, and he is now counting 28 million against the cap. Much more manageable, man, manageable um, to work with if you're the Packers. Um, they basically just have one or one or one to two more moves they have to do to get the cat under the cap. And then they have some other moves they can do to make money work to potentially bring new people in, you know, potential free agents. It can be done. And it's exactly kind of what I expected. Um, Rogers is basically committed to playing in green Bay for the next two years. Um, he, if he does this, there's two dummy years added. So if he wants to play past 2024, 
um, per Ian Rappaport, they're going to have to redo um, 2024 and 2025. Yeah, there's going to be a big cap hit potentially. Um, like if he if he decides to hang it up at, after 2023, um, there's going to be a big cap hit hitting the Packers. But fortunately for Green Bay, the salary cap is projected to shoot up in 2023, 2024. Um, keeping Rodgers is key, and they are keeping him. And there, it, if you want a, a comparison to what the Packers just did with Rodgers, think of what the Saints did with Drew Brees before he retired. Um, kept manipulating the contract in a way that is going to lower the cap hit, but keep him... Uh, keep them, keep lower the cap hit, keep them in, in town and allow them to re-sign guys and potentially bring in new guys. And re-signing your own guys is as good, if not better, than bringing in guys off the street. Because um, the guys you're keeping, um, and I'll get to those in a minute, are guys that have spent time in your system, in your team, guys you've seen up close and personal for a number of years. Um, you're going to feel more comfortable with them on the field over somebody that you may not know. Um, so I guess for those watching, those listening, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers' contract. I, I personally like it. I thought it was smart. I thought it was a good deal. They get a lot from it, um, and they can keep the team, basically with a few exceptions, keep the team together at least for the next two years. Um other things the Packers have done is they extended um, Preston Smith, a new contract for him, which his cap hit got lowered to 11 in 2022. And it's definitely, you know, helping the Packers uh, salary cap quite a bit. Um, they released um, Zadarius Smith, which I expected to happen. I know some people would prefer to keep the Darius Smith over Preston Smith, but the big difference between the Darius Smith and Preston Smith is the Darius Smith is coming off a pretty major back injury that limited him to a handful of snaps in week one and a handful of snaps in the NFC division around Preston Smith has missed one game in his entire career in the NFL. He's also better on the edge against the run. You're going, you're, 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 you're locking up, and securing Preston Smith because you know he is going to be available every day. Um, you, you know that's going to happen. And you can't afford to let him leave that room. Uh, other moves they did, they released Billy Turner. Again, not surprised. That's a move I expected them to make um, once the season ended. Another guy who availability was important. He wasn't healthy. Towards the end of the year, he played not healthy in the divisional round. Probably shouldn't have played. Probably should have put Yash Nijman at left tackle instead of Billy Turner. But, you know, Packers did what they did, put a hobbled player at left tackle. And they're designating it that he uh, uh, failed the physical is how they're designating it for um, Billy Turner. And they also um, re-signed uh, Campbell which is huge. He was a huge addition to this Packer defense. Um, he had a missed tackle percentage of 2%, one of the tops in the NFL. Sure tackler, made plays all over the field, um, underrated in coverage. And he, you know, he's a player that definitely earned his money and his cap hit in this season 
is a pedestrian uh, $4.2 million. That's his cap hit this year. That's a steal for the production you got from him. I've heard that uh, Razul Douglas is likely potentially coming back as well. Uh, but with the move and then tendered um, Alan Lazard at, at, out too. So he'll be due to about th- uh, just under $4 million this year. And the Packers are still about $7 million over the cap. They still have some work to do. But that work can easily be done. Um, they could potentially release Randall Cobb, free $6 million of that $7 million, and then bring him back at a more team-friendly, uh, cap-friendly deal later on in the week. That's one uh, suggestion I've heard. Um, as of now, they're not touching Mason Crosby's contract, but they can always uh, restructure his contract. Adrian Amos, they can restructure or um, they can either restructure or extend. They can extend Jair Alexander to free up some money. They can uh, restructure Mercedes Lewis to free up some money. Um, and then Dean Lowry, they can restructure or release. And then the big thing is they can figure out a uh, contract for, with Devante. Devante is a 20 million uh, cap number, uh, right? Uh, the 20 million hit against the cap right now. If they can uh, renegotiate and extend Devante, there's a good chance they can cut that uh, cap number in 2022 in half um, and then just have the ca- uh, contract escalate from there. So still moves to be made, but I trust in Gutenkust and I trust in uh, Russ Ball that they are, they're going to get done what they need to do. And the Packers are still going to be a competitive team in 2022. Other news around the NFL, Tom Brady's deciding he wants to play again. I I didn't expect Tom Brady to come back, but I also can't say I'm not surprised that Tom Brady decided to come back. Um, I know he gave some spiel about still having some unfinished business when he's a guy that has won uh, seven Super Bowls. So I don't buy that it's the unfinished business piece. I just think... He has such a fire, such a passion um, for the for the sport, for the NFL, for the game of football. I think Tom Brady has a hard time uh, hanging it up. I think he has a hard time stating that I'm done playing. I want to retire. Um, you, you you see that. You saw that with Brett Favre in Green Bay where he was constantly, will I, won't I? It's, it's a tough decision. And, you know, people were criticizing Rodgers for dragging out this decision for so long. Tom Brady's decide shortly after the Super Bowl, actually, I think it was the same weekend as the Super Bowl, that he was retiring. Maybe he made the decision too quick. Maybe he didn't think it all the way through, and maybe he should have. If he would have thought about it more and waited, um, we're not having this rolling of our eyes and disgust at Tom Brady for deciding to come back. According to Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers strongly considered retirement. He's, he that was uh, he was either, uh, he strongly thought about hanging it up and retiring. Instead, he wanted to think it over and really decide what he truly, truly wanted to do, and ended up being a contract extension. I don't fault Tom Brady for wanting to play again. It's fun to poke fun at him, but ultimately, you know, Tom Brady is a competitor, and guys struggle when they retire um because they they're they're missing something in their life and he's been playing professional football for over 20 years so kirk cousins got a new contract which (laughs) the contract's absolutely ridiculous to me 
um, for an average quarterback. He's a definition of average. His, his win-loss percentage is 500, roughly. He has two ties mixed in there. I think he's like 59, 59, and 2. That is Kirk Cousins' career-winning record, 59, 59, and 2. And I know you can argue wins aren't a quarterback stat, but he, Kirk Cousins doesn't do anything sexy. He doesn't do anything that's going to blow the doors off the place. He's inconsistent. He's just an average player. He's average player at best. But yet he keeps getting these guaranteed contracts for ridiculous amounts of money. At the end of this current deal, he's going to have $230 million in career earnings. And good job to him. Him and his agent deserve a ton of credit for constantly getting people to continue to uh, pay him money to be an average quarterback. He puts up some numbers. I'm not going to lie. He does put up some numbers, but he's not going to win you any games. He may lose you some games, but he's definitely not going to win you games. I don't. I think he's won one playoff game in his career, and he struggles in national televised games, Sunday night football, Monday night football. He, he struggles. And the other uh, things you're seeing right now is a lot of stupid money being thrown around. And the Jaguars fit that uh, component right now. And I know Jacksonville has money to spend, and they have a lot of work to do to try to put together a winning product. And Doug Peterson wants to try to win sooner rather than later. But to give Kristen Kirk a four-year, $72 million contract that includes $37 million fully guaranteed and has a maximum value of a contract of $84 million being paid I think it's 21 or $22 million per year for a guy that has been nothing better than a number three wide receiver in his career at this point. And I know Arizona with Hopkins is hard to get a lot of targets your way. But before Hopkins got there, he's a guy that was inconsistent. He would have a big game and then go weeks before having another game. He's the definition of inconsistent. Zay Jones, three-year, $24 million contract with a max value of 30. That's a lot of money for him. Um, Cam Robinson received the franchise tag. That's a lot of money to to uh, to Cam Robinson. And then uh, Brandon Schaefer, uh three-year, forty-nine point five million dollar deal that includes thirty million guaranteed and thirty-three in the first two years of the deal. He's a guy that's hurt a lot, so you're really depending on throwing a lot of money to a guy that is hurt often. Um, the, aside from Russell Wilson trade, the Denver Broncos, uh, five years, $70 million, 28 million guaranteed to Randy Gregory defensive end from the Cowboys. And it's kind of funny. The Cowboys thought they had a deal in place. They're ready to announce it. Next thing you know, haha, just kidding. He's, he's signing with the Broncos now. And obviously none of these are, uh, none of these are done deals until tomorrow after the start of the league year. DJ Jones, three-year, $30 million. Again, Broncos throwing a lot of money around. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitch Trubisky, a two-year, $14.25 million contract with up to $27 million with incentive. That's a great deal. Um, basically, $7 million a year for two years with some escalators that can make it higher. Uh, he's a guy that people had a lot of positive things to say about uh, during his time in 
during his time in Buffalo. He's very limited quarterback, but he's kind of what Pittsburgh was looking for, a guy that can move the pocket, can stretch the pocket, a guy that can run a little bit. And he's, you know, he's a guy that can possibly help the Steelers make the playoffs and be competitive. He made the playoffs twice in Chicago. Um, Cleveland Browns got Amari Cooper in a trade. Dallas trying to clear cap space left and right. They're sending a lot of money away. And unfortunately for Dallas, the reason why they're in this situation where they got to let a player like Amari Cooper go because they gave a big contract to Ezekiel Elliott. And unfortunately, they cannot get out of the contract yet. So they got to let guys like Amari Cooper go. But here's what you're going to see. You know, I just gave you some examples. Here's what you're going to see in the first few days of free agency. A lot of stupid money being thrown around. Teams with uh, money to burn are going to throw a lot of money all over the place to bring guys in. And guess what? In two to three years, a number of these guys are going to be free agents all over again, and the cycle is going to continue, mainly because, as I said a couple years ago, uh, no, last year, when it came to hiring coaches, bad teams stay bad for a reason. The, if you want to be a consistent winner in the NFL, you look at what New England's done. You look at what Green Bay has done. You have to build. You have to, the, the big thing is draft and develop. Draft and develop your own guys and then try to hit in the free agency when it's time. Patriots last year um, tried to hit in free agency and they made the playoffs probably a year earlier than they thought. The Packers are perennial playoff team year after year after year, and they got a pretty damn good roster. Now, from their spending spree two years ago, or three years ago, and they brought in the Smith bro- the Smith brothers, Adrian Amos and Billy Turner, only Amos and Preston Smith are left. But that's what happens. You throw a lot of money out there, and it doesn't work out, and you got to move on and try it again. So... Before I jump to the NCAA tournament and give you my thoughts on teams I think have a legit shot to win, Milwaukee Brewers signed one of my favorite non-Brewer players. Um, first of all, spring training set to start on Friday, 3:05 against the Dodgers. Game can be heard on uh, 6:20 WTMJ. Uh, same with the game on Sunday. And Andrew McCutcheon. One of my favorite non-Brewer players over the years, Andrew McCutcheon, signed a one-year deal with the Brewers, and to me, that's a great deal. He's a guy that can play all three outfield spots. He can be your DH. He can allow Lorenzo Cain to have some days off, Christian Yelich to have days off and play DH, and you have a, a outfield rotation of Lorenzo Cain, uh, Hunter Renfor, uh, McCutcheon, Tyrone Taylor, Yell at you, those guys, you can, you know, rotate guys into the DH and in the outfield, and you got a lot of versatility out there. And at the end of the day, David Stearns and Craig Council love their versatility, and that's why you don't see the Brewers sign a guy as much as I would have liked Nelson Cruz, and the Brewers were tied to Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is strictly a DH and a DH only, and as I mentioned, uh, they like versatility. And with Andrew McCutcheon, you have a guy, yes, he's older, but he can play three different outfield positions in DH. Tyrone Taylor can play all three outfield positions. The Elledge can play both corners. Lorenzo Kane can play all three. Yuri, Luis Urias can play all four infield spots. Uh, Colton Wong can play second in DH. Uh, 
Willie Adamas, shortstop and DH. First base is really the one um, glaring hole that the Brewers have um, currently in with their team, and I think they probably will make another move. Starting rotation is is what it is. You got defending Cy Young winner, and you have other potential, another uh, another potential Cy Young guy in in uh, Brandon Woodworth and uh, Freddie Peralta. And you got two great bullpen arms and Devin Williams if he doesn't punch a wall and uh, Josh Hader. So, speaking of the Brewers, the playoff odds from Fangraphs.com came out. They project the Brewers at 90.9 wins, 77.1 loss, um, 73.3% chance to win the division, 36% chance to clinch a bye. Uh, 85.9% chance to make the playoffs and a 7.6% chance to win the World Series. The only teams in the NL that have a higher percentage are your defending World Series champs, Atlanta Braves, and the NL West, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. The only teams in the NL that have a higher percentage of winning the World Series and also... The, Bray, uh, the Dodgers are the only team that have a uh, higher chance of making the playoffs than the Brewers. The Dodgers are at 95.7, Brewers at 85.9, Braves are at 84.8. And the Reds are basically blowing it up. The Cubs haven't really done much. The Pirates are the Pirates, so it's going to come down to the Brewers and the Cardinals. And I'm going to have a full, probably next week or the week after, a full um, a Brewer preview where I'm going to go more in depth about the positions and whatnot. And in the AL, um, you got Houston with a 10.3% chance to win the World Series, and the Blue Jays at a 12% chance, and the Yankees at a 9.4% chance. And those are the only teams in the AL with a higher uh, percent chance at this point to win the World Series. I'm not, I'm not saying the Brewers are going to win the World Series. But I'm saying is the Brewers have a pretty solid team in place once again. And I don't have I don't see any reason why the Brewers won't make the playoffs and make a push. It's all going to come down to if guys can uh, repeat performances they had last year and potentially Yelich bounce back from what they've done the last couple of years. So NCAA tournament time is underway, and I'm describing my iPad quick because I have the brackets on my iPad. I did not memorize the the brackets, so I do need uh, to look at that. But Thursday's action, you have Colorado State, Michigan. Um, for that, if I'm picking a game, if I'm picking in that one, I'm going Colorado State. Providence and South Dakota State, I'm going Providence. Memphis and Boise State. I got to go Memphis. I think Memphis is just the better team, even though they're the ninth seed. Um, I think Baylor, you got to go Baylor. And if you're picking a team to win it all, you, Baylor is probably at the top of the list. They are they're defending champions. They were really good last year, really good this year, and they have a really good shot at repeating. Um, Tennessee and Longwood, got to go Tennessee. Iowa, Iowa and Richmond. You know, five number five Iowa, number twelve Richmond. You always have a twelve upsetting a five. 
it seems, every year in the NCAA tournament. Um, that's a perfect one where you could see it happen. I I would personally go Richmond over Iowa. Um, Iowa got hot in the Big Ten cha- uh, tournament, but I could, you know, they they can cool off. They they were living by the three in the NC in the Big Ten tournament. They can go ice cold from three quite easily. We've seen teams go ice cold. Um, you got Gonzaga and Georgia State. Gonzaga wins that game easily, and Gonzaga, another team, they they were uh, runners up last year. Um, they're they're a team you can pencil in as potential national champions. Uh, they're a very solid squad. Um, Duke, I think, would be their biggest challenge in their region uh, of going back to the national championship game or going back to the Final Four, I mean, to get a chance to go to the national championship game. North Carolina and Marquette. Could this be the year that Marquette finally wins an NCAA tournament game? It's been a number of years, but they got a tough draw with North Carolina. And if they beat uh, North Carolina, then they get uh, a one seed. Um, I think I think North Carolina wins that game. That's a toss-up to me. Um, to me, flip a coin. Uh, that game could go either direction. New Mexico State and Connecticut, another 12-5 matchup. I just think Connecticut is going to roll easily in that one. Kentucky and St. Peter's on Thursday. Kentucky, easily. The 5-seed St. Mary's versus the to-be-determined 12-seed. I think St. Mary's wins that one um, quite easily. They're a very solid team, very underrated team. They did beat Gonzaga, one of the, I think, one or two teams, the two teams to beat Gonzaga this year, Duke being another one. Uh, Creighton and San Diego State, 8-9 matchup. I got to go San Diego State in that one. Arkansas and Vermont, I'm going to go Arkansas. Murray State and San Francisco, I'm sure Marquette fans are quite happy they're not playing Murray State. Uh, a couple of years back, they uh, John Morant, Murray State, knocked out Marquette. But I think Murray State wins that one. Akron and UCLA, got to go UCLA. And Kansas to, versus to be determined, Kansas is going to win that one easily. So to recap your games on Thursday, Colorado State, Providence, Memphis, Baylor, uh, Tennessee, Richmond, Gonzaga, UNC, Kentucky, UConn, St. Mary's, San Diego State, Murray State, Arkansas, UCLA, and Kansas. So that's going to be your Thursday games and winners. Friday, you got Loyola, uh, Sister Jean uh, Loyola versus Ohio State. I'm going to go Loyola uh, in Chicago on that one. They, they're a team that just always seems to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament every year. And Ohio State's a team that's been very inconsistent as a seven. Auburn versus JSU. Going to go Auburn easily. Texas Tech and Montana State go Texas Tech. Uh, Yale and Purdue go Purdue in that one. Villanova and Delaware, Villanova easily. Villanova be my third cho- uh, team. I've named two so far that I think have a very high probability of winning it all. Add Villanova to that list. Uh, USC versus Miami. I think uh, USC wins that one. Alabama versus to be determined. Um, it's It's always tough when you don't know who your opponent's going to be and games that are being played 
Um, so far, uh, Texas Southern beat Texas A&M. Uh, uh, CC. You're also going to have Indiana and Wyoming. Um, so then tomorrow you got Bryant and Wright State for 16, and then you're going to have Notre Dame and Rutgers. So that to be determined for Alabama is going to be Notre Dame or Rutgers. And I think Alabama loses in the first round um, to whoever wins that playing game. Texas and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's a hot team. It's very hard not to go with the hot team in the tournament. Uh, They made a big run in the ACC tournament. But I think their uh, magic carpet ride ends against uh, Texas. Illinois beats Chattanooga. Duke wins on Friday. Iowa State beats LSU. Being played in Pfizer Forum, 621st tip. Arizona wins their game easy. They're, I don't even know who their opponent is yet, but they're going to win. Uh, UAB and Houston is going to be a great game. I think that's another potential 12-5 upset. I think Houston wins it close, probably a buzzer beater. Um, I just don't think UAB has enough to get over the top there. I got Davidson upsetting Michigan State. Michigan State's not been playing that well as of late. Uh, Wisconsin beats Colgate, 8.50 uh, jump ball at Pfizer Forum. And I think uh, Seton Hall beats TCU. So to recap that one, you got uh, Seton Hall, Wisconsin, Davidson, Houston, Iowa State, Arizona, Duke, Illinois, the winner of Rutgers and uh, – Rutgers and uh, Notre Dame. Uh, then you have Texas, USC, and Villanova, Purdue, and Texas Tech. Your safest bet, if you want to predict a team that's going to win it all, your safest bets are going to be Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova, Arizona, and Duke. Um, I Those are going to be your best bets to win it all. If you're looking for a higher seed that has a chance to make a big uh, big Cinderella run, I don't see it this year. Um, I think Arkansas might make it, could make a Final Four. Um, they're a pretty solid team this year. UCLA is the fourth seed, could. Uh, but I don't think you see a, a seed higher than four make a big run. And I think Wisconsin has a big, uh, great shot of getting to at least the Elite Eight um, for the right to play for the Final Four. They have a pretty good uh, pairing in their uh, in their bracket. Jumping on to the women's tournament. Um, if you're looking for if you're looking for upsets, uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, probably not gonna have a lot that happens. Um, they have their play-in games, um, but I'm gonna jump straight to the tournament. Uh, Friday matchups. Miami beats South Florida. Um, Colorado beats Creighton. South Carolina beats whoever they play. South Carolina in the women's NCAA tournament is a team that's likely going to uh, be playing on the final day. A uh, good shot to win it all. Mississippi wins. Virginia Tech wins. Nebraska wins. Iowa wins. Iowa is a team that has a good shot of uh, running it and going playing Final Four and it's in the championship game. Baylor beats Hawaii. Baylor's another one um, that has a really high shot probability rate of playing in the championship round, 
You got Maryland going to win on uh, Friday, Utah, Georgia, and Louisville, Kansas, and Texas, Stanford, and Iowa State. So out of the games on Friday, if you want to pick a, a team in the women's bracket that has a really good shot at going to the championship round, Stanford, Iowa State, Texas, Louisville, Iowa, South Carolina. All pretty solid shots. South Carolina being the top shot with uh, Baylor being a close two, Stanford being a close three. In the Saturday games, uh, Washington uh, State will be Kansas State. UConn will beat Mercer. UConn is, uh, now that they're healthy, um, they probably would have been a one seed if uh, if their uh, best player doesn't get hurt, uh, miss a good chunk of games. Uh, they're a team that can easily be playing for the championship. Uh, BYU will beat Villanova. Indiana will beat Charlotte. Ohio State will win. North Carolina State, another team that has a good shot. Tennessee has a great shot. Uh, Michigan will win. UCF, Kentucky, Oregon, LSU, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Arizona. They're all going to be your first round or technically second round uh, win- winners in the women's field. Best chance to win it all in your Friday games, I mean, sorry, your Saturday games would be UConn, um, LSU, Oregon, and probably North Carolina State. So there you have it. Um, that's my bet, best bets for winning uh, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday in the men's and the women's tournaments. We'll see how accurate I am uh, on Monday and uh, following week. With that said, I appreciate you all watching, uh, listening to the show. And I will uh, get back at you next week, uh, talk the round first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and more um, probably a lot of free agent frenzy going on next week. So with that, I'll get back at you later.